Hello and welcome back to On The Money. We're really excited to talk to you about today's topic actually because we have some quite exciting news. So Sharon and I are actually both going travelling for a little bit Um, and by a little bit I mean quite a long while (laughs) Um, and um, it's something that we're both really excited about. We're we're travelling separately so we're both going with our other halves, our husbands Um, and uh, for me personally this has been something that I've wanted to do for a really long time. Um, Since school I've never really had any time out uh, we were, you know, went straight from school to uni to work. Um, even that summer between uni and work, I had training for my grad scheme. So like, I don't really ever feel like I've had any sustained time off. And um, I've always had the bug to want to do a bit of extended travel. And I think for us getting married last year um, and, you know, approaching 30, it felt like a good time to take some time to do it. So um for for my husband and I we are taking a sabbatical from work so I'm actually taking five months off um to to go traveling and I'll be in Asia Australia New Zealand and Central and South America um before going back to my my job at the end of that and Sharon I know you're doing something similar but different yeah similar but different for sure so I think the whole we've always had a travel bug I think very very much relate to that um for as long as I've been with Lovin, I think we've both talked about um, wanting to do something like this, taking some time out and um, traveling a little bit. And effectively now's become the time. Um, the slight difference between Chloe and I is Chloe's taking a sabbatical from work. Um, so Lovin and I have decided to kind of finish off with the jobs that we are currently doing, um, kind of take a proper break and um, travel a little bit slower. So we'll be out for six months to eight months is the current plan. Um, and actually like live as well as travel while we're out there maybe do some work and so it's very slightly different Um, I think the motivations behind wanting to do it is very similar but the way in which we've decided to do it is um, slightly different yeah definitely and I think for both of us um, and for anyone looking to plan an extended uh, period of travel obviously the financials are a big consideration Um, this is something that is you know, regardless of how you do it, not going to be a, a cheap thing to do. Um, and it's something that requires uh, thought around how best to approach it for you. And there are lots of different ways to do that. Um, and we thought it'd be really interesting to have a conversation about that with you guys today, because even between Shran and I, we're approaching it slightly differently. So um, it's been a really good prompt to think about some of those factors that actually you should, we should be thinking about before you go um, and, and how you might want to approach them. So thinking about the financial side of things, like we both said that we've um, sort of thought about doing something like this for a while. Um, So Chloe, talk to me a little bit about how you kind of financially budgeted for this and like how long have you been working towards this? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think um, we have always been careful with approaching our saving in a sensible way, right? So you know, over the years, um, we put a, a good amount of money aside every month um, directly from our um, salary. So when we get paid into our um, individual accounts, we then have a direct debit that goes out to our savings accounts. Um, and we've always done that without knowing exactly quite what we were saving for, but we've always known we wanted to do this kind of trip. So, um, you know, one way you could do this is to open an account or a sub account specifically called holiday or travel or whatever it is and pay specifically into that. We haven't really done that. We have just known that we wanted to do this at some point and been building a savings pot. And having got married last year and also bought our flat a few years ago, 
the other big financial things that we were saving for that we sort of prioritized are now out the way (laughs) or at least for now um and so for us you know dipping into our savings pot to spend on a trip like this has been something that um you know we're really happy to do because it's really important to us and something that we're really excited about so I would say that whilst this year now that I'm approaching the trip itself I'm definitely much more conscious of my day-to-day spending we're obviously not doing other big trips this year we're kind of trying to cut back a bit day to day really that's not going to be the thing that's going to make the meaningful difference for how we pay for this trip it's more the fact that over the past 10 years we've been building a savings pot and we're using part of that for this yeah and I think for us it was very similar in terms of the approach I think the only slight difference was um probably about five six years ago we'd had a bit of a conversation to say okay we we do want to do this um at some point in our lives in the next let's say five, seven years, basically. So we sat down and said, okay, well, how much realistically would this cost us? So we did a very, very high level estimation of, okay, well, we'd want to be out for this long. Let's assume that we spent this much a day. How much, basically? And the how much would you spend every day? Like, honestly, like, we didn't know that. It was more just to give us a target. And and really what we did at the time was do a bit of research. And obviously with inflation and things like that, it's not going to be perfect. But it was kind of having a number in our head to say, okay, this is how much we'd realistically need to be able to do something like this. Um, and then kind of working towards it. And I think it wasn't necessarily, like you said, Chloe, like paying into a particular pot. But it's kind of knowing, okay, well, this is how much we had, like, set out to save. At the point that we had that amount, we obviously had choices. And, and was at points, we chose not to kind of dip into that pot. Like we probably had that at some point in the in the past. Mm. But there were various other things like our wedding and, and the house and things like that that we wanted to prioritize. And sort of we were constantly making the sort of priority call between, okay, well, with our savings, would we put it towards this amount that we know we'd be spending on traveling or would we put it towards other things? Um, so actually over the last couple of years those priority calls have changed and now we've got to the point where we're like well actually like you say we've got a lot of the big things out of the way now felt like the right time um, to dip into that and I think where as we go out um, traveling that number still stands and I, I keep saying that is the amount that we will spend at the point that that r- money runs out we're coming home and for me that's a really like I mean, I'm not a risk taker and obviously we've quit our jobs, we're going traveling, it feels like a big risk. But the only reason that it feels okay is because I know that's the number and when and, and we're, we're comfortable to spend that. Mm-hmm. When it's run out, we're coming home. It's not like it's going to increase and all of those kind of things. So like that's the way that I'm going into it, which is I think maybe slightly different from what you're thinking. Yeah, and that, that's super interesting though um, because as you say, it is a bit different. So because we're going for a shorter period of time, um, and also slightly down to just some of the things that we want to do whilst whilst we're away. I would say that um, Dan and I have done a lot more kind of planning and pre-booking and stuff, um, generally with free cancellation on things, but we've done a lot more of that ahead of the trip, partly because we want to try and maximize the time we have um, and to make it as efficient as possible. Um, and also because um, we just want to kind of get that planning done before we're away, because again, we have a shorter period of time. So less keen to sort of spend time doing that whilst we're there but um it's interesting because it's two different ways to arrive at some level of certainty I think it's fair to say that both of us like a plan to an extent or like at least to know the parameters within which we're operating and for us we've got us as in Dan and I we've gone about that by um booking stuff more in advance and so I can see roughly what that total number is going to be because we've kind of got it mapped out 
But actually, the other way to do that is exactly as Strand has said, is just to say, well, it's open-ended, but this is the amount we're spending. So, you know, it gives you good flexibility whilst you're away to make trade-offs around, well, do we want to go a bit longer and stay in places that are slightly cheaper? Or do we want to really go for this experience and then maybe shorten it a bit? And you can sort of do that on the fly while still not having a number that could just run up and up and up. Um, So I really like that as an approach. Um, One of the other things I was just thinking about when you were talking uh, was around the fact that actually one thing that sounds quite obvious, but I hadn't really thought about before I started planning the trip is it's much more expensive to travel in some places than others. So in our trip, um, we're going to Southeast Asia first and then Australia and New Zealand. And Australia and New Zealand, even once you're there, are much more expensive places to be. You know, the cost of living is generally higher. Um, Accommodation costs more. And um, compared to Southeast Asia, when we were looking at that, you know, we've actually managed to go for some places that are quite a lot nicer um, in Southeast Asia than we're staying in for Australia and New Zealand because of the fact that um, your money just goes a lot further there. So, you know, I think if you're planning on a budget or if you're just you know want to spend a certain amount on a trip it is worth thinking about where is cost of living high and where actually you can get a bit more bang for your buck yeah and and so we're going to southeast asia as well and actually the countries that we've chosen to go to is very much because we know our money will stretch stretch further there and that means we can stay out longer so for us what we're prioritizing is the length of time that we can stay out there and certain types of experiences whereas um the sort of type of accommodation that we stay in also maybe the like um other types of experiences that we have outside of some of the activities we've chosen to do um it's probably not where we'd spend um or prioritize our money and time basically so it really depends on what you want and like what are the trade-offs you're making but I think I think looking at sort of what Chloe's plans are and my plans are it's very easy to see you can do it in both ways it's just making those choices and making that work for you and also I think um so yeah, as Sharon said, prioritizing what are the things you want to, that you value the most for mm. your trip, but also then, um, uh, and that could even be down to, you know, length of time spent versus sort of uh, how much you pack it or you can pack into that time. Um, but also then, even within your trip, if there are things that you really want to do, or like, let's say you really value um, like amazing experiences and you're, you're going on a few, like we're going on a um uh, a kind of expedition into the jungle which is going to be amazing um, I'm super excited about that but it's you know where we're staying is not uh, not cheap um, but that is something where we've gone okay well we're really excited about that particular experience so we're paying more for that but actually in other bits in Southeast Asia um, we are just staying in something a lot more basic so even within a category I guess and maybe that category is where you're staying if there's something that you're really going to get extra value from, you can flex that within the trip, right? Like your whole trip doesn't need to be to the same standard. Um, and ours really isn't, I would say, you know, we, it really varies. And even to that point of Southeast Asia versus Australia and New Zealand, we're generally doing kind of more self-catering, more basic stuff in Australia and New Zealand, but it's not that much cheaper than what we're doing in Asia because in Asia we're staying in some really cool places. So um, I think it's just about being, I suppose, flexible in where you're prioritizing and how you go about doing that and there are lots of different ways you can really get what you want one of the other things that we're doing with our trip to help us uh, stretch money a little bit further is using loyalty schemes and um, points to pay for some of our things particularly flights um, where it's really kind of comes into its own I think there's often a misconception that 
in order to earn Avios points, for example, or to use an Amex to do that, you have to pay to use the card. And I think we've touched on this in previous episodes, but actually there are lots of free ways of doing it. Um, Even if it's just loyalty programs from flying with similar airlines or airlines that are part of the same group. And our um, uh, flight back, so Dan is flying back from Australia to the UK at the end of um, his bit of the trip. And that flight is... um, I mean, it's not quite free, but it's basically free, which would otherwise be a very expensive flight because of points that we've saved over time. Um, and it's we've known that we've always wanted to do a big trip like this and so tried to save a little points for this. We spent a few on our honeymoon. Um, but that's something else that is worth thinking about if you're planning to do a trip at some point in the future, then actually these sorts of uh, scenarios are a really good way to use points rather than just kind of on day-to-day stuff because you can also spend them on Amazon and things. So that's another angle to think about as well and where you can use similar airlines or airlines that are part of the same group that will help you out as well. So that's touched on some of the costs and different ways of planning whilst you're actually traveling but of course our lives here still continue um, here in the UK and you know for Sean and I um, given we both own our flats that's another consideration for us. So Sean how are you going about um, covering your costs in the UK whilst you're whilst you're away for this epic trip. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So given we are traveling for a slightly more extended period of time, we've decided to rent out our flat. Um, and it's one of those things where actually, like when I started, I was like, oh yeah, like as long as like it breaks even with the mortgage, like we'll be fine. I was looking at the rent prices in our area, and I was like, yeah, we'll be fine. It should be like we should be able to break even. Um, and that was kind of the mindset that I was in. Let's say about a year ago. We have recently started um, the renting process and like putting the property on the market and things like that. And it's just one of those things where like costs just add up and um, where I was like, oh, we'll break even and actually maybe we'll like hold some money in our hands. We are now very much just breaking even because there's things that you don't really think about, which are like the um, estate, estate agent takes a fee. Um, and then actually what we, I think the big thing that really got us was um, our mortgage provider. When you sort of like, rent out your property we obviously took this property in the mortgage as a sort of like first-time buyer um so when you're renting it out you actually have to inform the mortgage provider and our mortgage provider said well actually you're going to have to like pay one percent extra which is really like eaten into the margins basically Mm -hmm. and then there's things like that you don't even consider which is like you need to have certain like safety certificates that you've got to pay for and carbon monoxide alarms and, and things like that that you have to fit your flat with before you can rent and it's And a few of those things are sort of like, obviously like one-off sunk costs, which are fine. Like we budgeted for all of those kind of things, but really it's the sort of agent fee and the mortgage fee that is really what you need to think about. Mm. So that that was something that we've kind of um, found as we've gotten into the process. Um, But again, as part of the savings um, to go on this trip, like I said, we had a number in our head in terms of, okay, this is what we're going to spend. And we had a buffer number, which was basically to cover all of these kind of costs. Like, again, I'm a planner. I was like, worst case scenario, what happens if someone doesn't rent our flat? So it was like planning for all of these worst case scenarios. And like now it's those kind of like scenarios that in some cases are playing out in some cases like, okay, cool. We're totally fine with those kind of things. So um, those were the kind of things that I think you kind of forget about because you're like, well, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to have any of these costs. But actually you do, especially if you like own your own property or you have your own car, for example. So we're sort of thinking about, okay, what are we going to do with the car um, and things like that? So, um, so yeah. a very good question I need to think about now. 
What are you going to do with the car? Um, so we've got a family friend or well, family who's going to basically take the car for the year okay, um, and like just basically insure it because it's like useful to them. Interesting, interesting. Another thing for my to-do list. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I think I think that's good. That is good advice because I do feel like having... Um, so I'm also a bit of a worst case scenario planner and not that we want everybody to kind of be negative on this stuff, but particularly as it pertains to the big trips like this it's worth having a backup plan and you know if and this actually also relates to whilst you're out on your trip you need a bit of an emergency fund particularly if you're going for a long period of time the chances that nothing will go wrong throughout that whole trip are very low you're probably going to miss a flight something's going to be cancelled you might have to pay for an extra night or two somewhere whilst also like doubling up whilst also paying for somewhere else that you're meant to have arrived at so don't um Yes, be optimistic in life, but do not be too optimistic when planning costs, um, particularly for travel and then also for your scenario at home because you don't want to have no room for error. There's nothing that's going to take away more from your big adventure and all the fun that you're having than having to worry that actually don't you do not have enough to be able to um, address whatever that particular issue is. Yeah, and I guess this is where travel insurance becomes really important. Um, obviously, like when you go on holidays and things like that, like p- people generally do take travel insurance, especially if they're doing um, trips that involve activities and things like that. It's much more important. But in this scenario, where you are going to be out of the country for an extended period of time, taking insurance to make sure that you're covered from a medical perspective, because if you are traveling to multiple different countries, they all have different medical systems and you want to know that you have the security um, that if anything does happen, that you will be able to access the right medical um, services, basically. Also covering things like lost baggage, lost flights. The more that you're on these flights and traveling, the more likely it is that something like this is going to happen. Um, and then the other thing is like we, we're thinking about doing some diving. And again, these kind of activities, yes, when you're doing it one off here and there, the likelihood of things happening obviously likelihood is obviously just the same but like when you're doing it more (laughs) and more yes exactly that you're more likely to come across a scenario where you need these kind of things so just having some of that and Chloe was just saying like it is expensive it's very expensive it is the cost of like having that security yeah there's no way around it I mean I I was quite surprised at quite how much it was I think generally just to kind of give a ballpark for a five-month trip like depending on what you're doing you're looking at between 500 pounds and a thousand pounds because as Shran said like part of the reason ours is adding up is because we were going to do scuba diving we we're um doing hiking like at above the altitude that will be that's like considered in your normal policy so it's like it's not quite like a climber's policy but like you have to add on that as an extra I'm doing a horse riding thing um uh there's a few other things that we're doing that are all considered like not your base level of activity that all can you know come with a bit more risk and so that definitely added a couple of hundred pounds on top of ours um and also if you're going to lots of different places particularly if you're going to the US um that can increase your your likelihood of your, like having a higher premium as well. And I got to a point where where I almost momentarily was like, is this worth it? Because if I I was thinking about it more as the most likely use cases, touch wood, for us needing insurance will be things like the flight got cancelled and we've you know have to book a new one or something. Um, and I was sort of thinking, well, if that was to happen, 
the cost of replacing that flight or that lost baggage or whatever is probably going to be less than what I'm paying for the insurance. So maybe I should just do that. But then the obvious reason that's a really stupid idea is, is medical insurance because that could cost absolutely loads depending on where you are. And um, some places won't let you into the hospital unless you have, you can provide them with a policy number. So, you know, sometimes I just think, well, if something really bad happened, we would just go to the hospital and figure out how to like pay them back later. But sometimes they just won't let you in. So you really need it. Um, and it's just one of those kind of unfortunate things in life that hopefully you never have to use. Um, but if you do, it's important to have it. Yeah, and it, it goes back to Chloe's point about you should be optimistic and excited about it, but putting in these plans for, I guess, the worst case scenarios, at least for me, helps me focus on all the fun stuff. So knowing that I will have these kind of protection at the point that if something happened, yeah, same. we knew what to do. The other thing, the other cost, while we're talking about things that we weren't expecting to be so expensive, is vaccines. They... Literally, like I, I think it's one of those things because neither of us had had many of the vaccines boosted in probably about 10 years. I had my vaccines. I got four vaccines the other day. And yeah, I, I had, I mean, we'd, we, again, we budgeted for vaccines, but obviously when you're actually paying for it, you're like, damn, this is expensive. How, how much are vaccines? So <laughs> depends, <laughs> depends on what vaccine you're getting. And I'm obviously not a pharmacist, <laughs> but each dose is between like 50 and a hundred pounds, depending really? on what it is. Yeah. That's interesting. At least what I got. I had not budgeted for that. I need to look at that because I went to um I went to Peru in 2017 and I'm pretty sure I got them on the NHS. But maybe that's not true. <laughs> I will definitely look at it. But look, it's I'm glad we're having this conversation because you've added two things to my to do list during this time. The other thing that um, I actually only looked at this morning, which again is an extra cost that I haven't really thought about, is visas. You have to pay for visas sometimes, and they also have a lead time. So. Um, yeah, you can't always just like get a visa the day before. So it's worth thinking about visas in advance um, to make sure you can actually get into the countries you're planning to go to. And it's just another cost to think about. And actually on the visa point, some of them have costs. Some of them are like, um, as you arrive in the country, you pay for it. Some of the countries actually have a period of time where you can get a free visa. So if you are on a budget, you might want to look into that and you can say, well, actually, I know that it's a free visa for this period of time. So that's as long as I'm going to stay. Um, so those kind of things that like if you are on a budget you can kind of plan your trip around that mm, definitely um obviously one of the other ways that you can you know extend a trip abroad is actually to work whilst you're um abroad which isn't something we're doing given the time constraint that, that we have but I, I have friends who've done that before and it's you know it's meant they've been able to go for a year rather than um you know five months because actually they've worked whilst they're out there and I know Shani it was something that you guys were thinking potentially as an option for you yeah again one of the main reasons, um, apart from wanting to do this for a long period of time, that we've decided to kind of do this now and do it by quitting our jobs is actually both of us are in a point where we want to kind of take a bit of a step back um, from life and kind of figure out, okay, what do we want to do? Like, what's the path forward and things like that? Um, and as part of that, one of the things that we do want to kind of look into is... Um, Basically, what can we do sort of remotely part time so that we can maybe continue to extend our travel um, while we are also doing some work? So there are some opportunities like it may be in the industry that you are already in. I know that there are some opportunities kind of like if you are in a very niche industry to provide advisory work that is uh, remote and part time. Um, it may also be doing sort of like online businesses and things like that, which, um, again, like 
may may not work out but I think it's it's one of those things we are definitely going with the intent of traveling and living um, and kind of exploring what life could be like living in a different country and things like that so um, yeah so like again don't really know where that's going to go um, if you guys are interested in in hearing more about those kind of things if we do pursue that like would be happy to have another conversation about it but that is the plan right now definitely and also to the point around visas I know you know sometimes thinking of Australia as an example they have big working visa programs where you can just go and do um, hospitality work um, as a way to get your visa and also earn a bit of money whilst you're there so there are ways of combining those two things as well cool so that kind of brings us to the end of our travel plans and where we are with them right now um, we think that this will probably be one of the last episodes that we do um, for the moment because we'll both be off traveling in different parts of the world. Um, so we'll kind of wrap up for the moment. But if we do get some time while we're traveling, you may hear from us either on Instagram or even an episode here and there. Um, so yeah, looking forward to kind of seeing where things go. By the time you guys are listening to this, we might actually already be into our travels, but we're really looking forward to seeing you guys when we're back. <laughs>